It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The Cardinals are not the 1925 NFL champions, and they did not beat the Texans this past week. We're going to talk about that and more on this edition of the Bullpen. Welcome. I am James Roy. This is Tom, and this is the bullpen. On this Victory Monday, we are ecstatic to come to you to talk about the Texans, the six and four Texans, the firmly in the playoff race, the playing for number one in the AFC South next week, Texans. But let's not get ahead of ourselves. We'll talk about that on Friday. It's Monday. Let's relish in this victory over the not 1925 NFL champions, Cardinals. If you know, you know. Pottsville Maroons, all that. I mean, I don't, I'm not going to get into it. But Tom, how are you doing today? Man, I'm good. I'm I'm really proud of this team. They they are trying to work on the blood pressure of all Texans fans. They do not believe in making any of these easy. We're going to grind them out. But hey, they're on top at the end, and that's all we care about. And uh, they're looking really good, looking really firmly in a position to contend for this division. It's interesting that you mentioned blood pressure because if there was ever a region that you don't want anyone messing with your blood pressure, it is certainly somewhere in Texas. Probably Houston. Definitely Houston. <laughs> don't mess with the blood pressure of the citizens of Houston. There's no room for it. Um, and it's, it's interesting that you mentioned the win and how it, that's what matters. And I agree with you, but I know we've already talked about this because you know we talk about this stuff very regularly. And I feel like I take a very different approach to this than you. but. I've had a lot of people coming at me for my take on this. I tweeted pretty shortly after the game. I was like, hey, 
the Texans won. That's what matters. But looking forward, these last three games, like they is basic. Essentially, what I equate it to is shutting the door and then letting the other team open it and shutting it again. And not a lot of teams will let you shut it twice, but doing it three weeks in a row, like you said, it's it's blood pressure. It messes with your blood pressure as a fan to see that happen. It's nice to know that this team can come in and they can they can end games after messing it up. It's it's a good attribute, but I'd like to see them close out a game when they have the chance earlier in the game. Um, and I and I look towards the playoffs, and a lot of people are oh, you're getting a little bit ahead of yourself. You're talking <laughs> about the playoffs. This team is firmly in that discussion, but they haven't clinched. Why are we talking about how they're going to do in the playoff game? But someone brought it up. If the play, game or if the season ended today, the Texans would play the Jaguars in the playoffs. You think that they beat the Jaguars? I think they beat. It's a bad example because I think they beat the Jaguars nine times out of ten in any situation. There's really not any part of me that is super worried about the Jaguars. I might. I don't hope I don't come back to regret saying that. But I mean, I've said it a lot of times, so there's already plenty of, of evidence that that's how I feel. Um, but uh, say any team but the Jaguars, the Chiefs, you know, any any playoff contender in the AFC, you come into a, a playoff game with the, this team and you you look like you're going to close it and then you don't you know te- Texans have experience with that 24 to 0 does that ring a bell um <laughs> so but when you go into the playoffs and you do that like I love the success this team is having but now the the expectation has changed and so I'll get more into that in a minute but do you, do you I I've asked this a lot do you have any concern about how this team will perform in the playoffs based off of the fact that they're just letting teams back in late in games no, no. And I, I'm not I'm not going to sit here and tell you who's going to win a playoff game when there is an entire half of the season still left to be played. It is great. It is fantastic. It is awesome. It is so refreshing to have a team that you feel really confident in at this point of the season. I mean, I believe at this point they've won as many games they won in the last two seasons. But to talk playoffs, it's a little premature. To talk expectations, it's a little premature. To to think that this team could look this this way in eight games is a little premature because I believe that you just have to be, I guess, level-headed in a sense that it's still a rookie quarterback. It's still a rookie head coach. It's still a rookie offensive coordinator. And, and I was talking to my dad after the game. He always calls me. Uh, he hates that I do this uh, with the PSF because it takes him away from it. And he's not tech savvy. He's not going to get on the app. So he loves to pick my brain. We got to get your dad on the app, man. I'd love to. I'm trying. It's on my. It's on my list of stuff to do. I promise it is. Anyway, so he feels exactly like you. It's like talking to a mirror. He has the exact same concerns. He's talking the exact same way. He feels exactly how you feel about this team. He's already kind of like, well, we don't know. Let's see. They could be this. They could be that. And I'm like, Dad, you got to slow your roll. You got to slow your roll. There's a ton that can happen. I love that the, that they're in this position. I think that they can be a playoff team. I think that they can win their division. But I'm not going to sit here and start counting my chickens and going, well, they would play the Jacksonville Jaguars and they would beat them. The fear, if anything, is that you would get the Jacksonville Jaguars in the playoffs because it is really, really hard to beat a team three times in one season. And they play Jacksonville this coming Sunday so we both feel really confident they can beat Jacksonville at, at their house on Sunday. I, I don't have the stats in front of me, but I have to mention this right now. I remember in the playoffs in like the mid-2010s, 
that, that that was a discussion point. And on one of the major networks, they actually looked up the stats. And they could have changed between now and then. But they were talking about the Cowboys in particular and how they were going to have to like play the Eagles and beat them for a third time to move on. And the stats actually show that beating a team for a third time is, is not as hard as people think it is, statistically based off of you know history. But I agree with you as a fan that I don't like the idea of, of sweeping someone in the season and playing them. And I, I believe the division rivalries do carry that difficulty. I, I agree. And, and that's why I'm just like so pumped your brakes, people. Pumped your brakes, James. I think that, A, they, I, everything could still be had. They could still win the division. They could still make the playoffs. We could still have this conversation. We could also be saying that you remember that three-game stretch where they weren't able to put teams away? By the end of the season, they figured that crap out. And they, they got on top of you, and they put their foot on your neck, and they did not let up. I, I, I understand in watching them that this is something they have to learn. You know, these games, they've clearly had two-score leads, and they just didn't know what to do with them. If you watch the game, if you watch their offense, it totally changed. They got vanilla. They got more conservative. It was more, how can I get to the end of this game? As opposed to, yo, we're still playing. Let's keep doing things. Let's, let's keep eating. And, and a perfect example for me was probably the San Francisco 49ers today. I watched them play Tampa, who the Texans just played recently. And they got up, and they really never let them back in. Like, letting them back in was 13 points. You know what I mean? It was 27-7, and that it was basically, that was ball game. And they did a great job of, of moving the football and getting into position and playing good defense. And you never, ever thought Tampa could come back and win this game. They were never in it. And that's something I think the Texans, over the time, will learn. And we'll probably be talking about, remember that three-game blip? Nah, there was much to do about nothing. That, that's what I'm hoping, right? So I'm a firm believer that the Texans can fix this. And I also agree with you. You, know, you brought up a valid point. You know, it's once again something that was a big knock on the Texans preseason, which was rookie head coach, rookie uh, at, the, at the time, rookie center that's changed, rookie quarterback, rookie signal caller, or sorry, rookie play caller for the offense. And, and so with that, there was reason to be concerned. Um, my, my counterpoint to that um, at, personally and it's been brought up. A lot of people are like, well, preseason, the Texans were five and a half win team. And you should you should be so lucky that they beat that. They've good. They've got the over. We should just be blessed. And we should anything above that is the house's money. As you said earlier, I, uh, when I was talking and, you know, doing my chicken little impression on something else. Um, but but to that, I'll say, um, it, you know, I agree with you. We're halfway into the season, so it's a bit early to be talking playoffs. But it's a bit late to be talking about preseason expectations. They're nice to temper, you know, the fact that this team is young. This team will make mistakes. But at the same time, this team has played to a level that is. A, this is a six and four team. This is a team that has shown that they sh they should be eight and two. There was two games that were really close. This this team is is uh, as Patrick Storm said on Twitter. He brought it up five points away from an eight and two record. And so with that, the expectations of the preseason are not the expectations of now. This team now has expectations on them. There is that temperament to them with the fact that there's rookies in a lot of positions and this is a young team. But I'm not going to continue to view this team through the lens of preseason expectations halfway through the season. There is now, like, before the season starts, all we have to go on is the, the prior season and what they did in the offseason. I felt like a lot of people were low on the Texans based off of their offseason and that the expectations should have been higher in that regard. So I was already higher on this team in the offseason 
And then to see them meet a lot of the expectations I had, my record prediction preseason was 8-9. and nine. I think that was a trash prediction. This team is not an 8-9 and nine team at the end of the year. If they win two games the rest of the season, that would be an incredible disappointment. And I would start asking questions about who's working for this organization and if they should be anymore. Granted, that is an over, that is, I, I'll be the first to admit that's a gross overreaction, but the expectations change and the expectation can change. If the, it, it could very well be that the Texans could win two games the rest of the season and now the expectation shifts back to preseason. It's like, okay, they gave us a lot to expect. We, we got our, our hopes and dreams up. We, we moved the bar forward based off of what we saw, which is a large sample size. And now we need to we need to throttle it back because maybe that was just a streak. Maybe that was just like a, a flash of what the potential is. But I don't think it is. I, I have no reason to believe that this team is just flashing potential right now. This team has played too many games and won too many games this season for me to believe, based on their performance in 10 games, that this is just like a flash of what we're going to see in the future. So that's where I'm at on that. Personally, I, I kind of disagree in the fact that I think you've got exceptional performances from a lot of these guys and a lot of these guys are very, very young. And I think that while I, I hope that I don't ever see it, I don't think I can be disappointed in anything that happens from here forward. They've clearly showed the path that they're going going forward. They've clearly shown that there's some building pieces and regardless how the rest of the season goes, if they only win two games and they're an eight and nine team, I'm still going to be immensely excited at what this team can be going forward because they'll have a ton of money to spend. They'll be able to retool. And then they're going to have Cincinnati's, or I mean, Cincinnati, Cleveland's draft pick, which I'll, even though they won today, I still feel incredibly confident that that's going to be a very good pick. And draft capital money plus a lot of young talent. I mean, I don't, I don't have the, the, I don't have the same feeling now that I would have had at the beginning of the season, like hopeful. Now it's more like if, not when. Or no, I'm sorry, it's when, not if. I, I got that backwards. I feel like CJ Tank, you know, Will Anderson, these guys are going to make it happen. I just know I got to be patient and let it, let it take its, you know, course. And just be thrilled that I got a football team that every Sunday I get I can watch and go, they can play with anybody. They can play with anybody. Now I feel I feel partially when we when we break down the next week and we break down every week going forward, I'm gonna sit here and go, yeah, the Texans can win that game. Do I feel that, you know, they can regress some? Some uh, I mean, I think we're gonna talk about, you know, Sunday's game and say that was a bad CJ Stroud game. And I don't think that's a bad CJ Stroud game. And we haven't seen one of those yet. And it's like I don't think that this past game was a bad CJ Stroud game, even with three interceptions. And and that's that's the crazy thing, right? Like, what's gonna happen when you get a 17 for 35 for 215 and a touchdown and interception? That would be like likely the worst CJ Stroud game we've seen. I mean Exactly. And then you go, well, regardless of the opponent. They're probably not going to win that game. And I would hate it. I'd, we'd come back on here and we'd talk about all the things they could have done right. But I also have to go, man, he's got to be allowed to have one of those. Hell, you look at Patrick Mahomes, uh, Allen and Buffalo. They've had those. They've, they've put up some, some ugly ones. So Even this season, I've seen Pat Mahomes put up some pretty ugly games. Yeah. But, I mean, yeah. 
I think that and and I that points to a theme that I've addressed this week with a lot of the receipt pulling that Texans fans are doing on each other throughout the week. Um, I I get that we're the expectations have risen, um, and people will overreact. So like someone at the end of the season, if we do drop the ball, is going to pull this clip on me and be like, "You were saying we should fire people if this if we only win two more games or eight and nine. What's going on?" And I'd I'd have to be like, look, dude, I was heated in the moment. That's like an over the classic fan overreaction. Um, I I agree with you that seeing seeing the vision and what's happened so far, the, the thing that troubles me and makes it hard for me to rationalize it in this moment is that our schedule, per everything we know, is just so incredibly trash the rest of the season that to watch us lose most of the rest of the games this the rest of the season is just difficult to believe in my eyes. We're we're at a point where what we have seven games left. I I would say that uh, either one win above or one win below five hundred is reasonable to expect, and both of those scenarios put us over five hundred on the season. Both of those scenarios put us firmly in playoff contention. So yeah, I just have trouble rationalizing a losing record. But let's talk about the Texans game and what what went right, what went wrong. We already briefly addressed C.J. Stroud's performance: three hundred sixty-four yards, two uh, three interceptions, two touchdowns. Um, CJ Stroud 149 yards or sorry Tank Dell 149 receiving yards touchdown you know sol- solid days overall Tank Dell 30 fantasy points in case you cared or wondered I mean I started him in a few leagues so I know that um, depending on what format you play in but the offense was pumping on all cylinders without Noah Brown Noah Brown back-to-back 150 yard receiving games and it you know short of you know, one yard short Tank Dell picked up that mantle showed up and played what was what so for me watching the game the feeling and I think someone illustrated it well the beginning and the end of the game went really well for the Texans there was just a stretch there in the middle where it kind of felt like it went off the rails and I think you captured it earlier with your comments on the play calling um but a- aside from play calling do you think there was any other issue that made like game plan and play calling was that really what put this Texans offense on the back burner or do you think there was any other issues do you think Stroud Stroud I I would say for two of the interceptions was at fault there was one where it was like off Robert Woods' hands, went up in the air. That's not him. So two interceptions. Do, do you feel like there's anyone in particular that has some share of the blame outside of the play calling? I would say probably not. I mean, you said the middle, and I don't even want to say that. I want to say there was one quarter. The third quarter, they basically took it off. Yeah. And – you know, for CJ to throw for 334 yards to 36 yards, something like that, he threw for 259 of those in the first half. So when you do the math on that, he did very little comparatively in the second half. Um, obviously, they were able to move the ball towards the end of the game and got into scoring position for two of those interceptions. Um, I mean, I I hate that it was as close as it was. Vegas, for all of the Vegas stuff, had this at four and a half points, and it ended up being a five-point game. So They covered the spread. Clearly, they know what they're talking about. Um, I, wish, I wish I had more. I, I, I don't hate what happened. I just don't love it. You know what I mean? I watched that, the game, and I kind of understood why they were being conservative. They were trying to get from halftime to the end of the game as fast as they could, and they just yeah, could no not do it. It it's hard. I mean, 
I, like I said earlier, CJ Stroud's performance, even with the three interceptions, we can subtract one for, like I said, it going up right off of Robert Woods' hands and into the air. Even if you count just two, um, I mean, it's hard to believe that it was a bad performance. I, you know, anyone who's looking at it that way is stat sheet watching. They're not watching the game. And so, I mean, I agree with you. I think that that game plan and scheme, as, as much as Bobby Slowick has risen, you know, there's people, very few people, but there are people talking about him as a name to watch for next year in the coaching market. I think he needs a year or two to hone his craft before we start talking about that. Um, I think that it's it's a mixture of Bobby Slowick was a PFF analyst. Um, there's a lot of people that will tell you. Um, I think that AD from the H-Town Rundown put it best. Um, but some people believe that PFF is real football, but PFF is is meant to verify what you're seeing on the field. So, like, for example, last week against the uh, Bengals, or the Bengals, was it the Bengals? It was the Bengals. I'm losing my mind right now. Um, <laughs> Titus Howard put up a 27 passing grade, pass blocking grade against the Bengals. The film doesn't certify that. So, I, I mean, PFF is not real football all the time. It, it can certify the results that you see on film, but it's just not the sole reason that anything is the way it is on a football field. And so Bobby Slowick being deep in that game and understanding it, I think sometimes just, you know, maybe leans too heavy into analytics and it's like this, you know, now that we're up by this much, this is what we need to do to get out of the game. You know, this is how this scheme is supposed to go to get us out of the game instead of going, hey, CJ, here's the walk. Go ahead and cook, bud. Get out there and stir-fry this defense, okay? Give us what we want to see. And so, yeah, I think that maybe, you know, in the modern sports discussion, it's the analytics versus the gut-feeling thing. You know, as an as Astros fans, we know that all too well. Very all too well. It's an incredibly painful conversation at times. But uh, I, I think that might have had something to play into it. Um, on the defensive side, I felt like the defense showed up. And that's why we won. In my ideal world, you know, 20 points is the target for the offense and the defense, you know, over and under. And so the defense held them under. The offense went over. It was very close. And there was some mistakes that were made that made this not a perfect game. But overall, what, what were your biggest takeaways from the defensive side of the ball? I can't say enough about Christian Harris. I love the game that he played today. Cashman, the linebacking core is just so good right now. And that's without their leading tackler. And Henry Toa Toa, so I just can't even imagine when they were able to put all three of them on the field for any length. And that that includes Denzel Perriman, too. I love what he does, too. I think that 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 linebacking core, which totally makes sense considering Nico was a linebacker in his prime. So for him to be able to coach that group up seems like a no-brainer, and they just personify him. They're so good, high motor. They're everywhere. They have all the tackles in the world. Uh, they interviewed his, Christian Harris after the game and told him how many tackles Cashman had. And he was like, my word, like he couldn't believe he had like 19 tackles. It was 19. Yeah. 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 So uh, it's just amazing what those guys were able to do. Derek Stingley Jr. Starting to look like the, the draft pick starting to hold up his end of the bargain. Uh, they interviewed him post game, incredibly confident. You could see that that was a game he needed for his confidence just to, just to be in front of the camera and say, yeah, man, I was out here, you know, put in work. So, and then obviously Steven Nelson with the, with the, the, the game ceiling pass breakup. So when you look at this defense and let's not forget Will Anderson, who had a sack, which is, is always a talk, no matter how many pressures he has. Well, how many sacks did he have? How many sacks? How many sacks? Yeah. How many sacks? So 
I feel like all around there were so many bright spots on the on the defensive side of the ball. Uh, they really did what they needed to do, considering CJ left some stuff out there, which he admitted to as well in the post game, and uh, made it closer than it had to be. Yeah, speaking of CJ's post game, you, you, you tweeted me and you tagged me. It literally went exactly how I described it. First, first and foremost, I'd like to thank my Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Um, there was some lessons to be learned from this, and I take blame. That was like literally that's the script for a CJ Stroud post game press conference in a game that didn't go perfectly. That's pretty much it. Um, but speaking on the defense, I agree with you 100. Um, percent I'm not even quite sure that Henry Toatoa is the leading tackler on the team after what Blake Cashman did today. He's been having some high volume tackling performances. I would not doubt it if he is the leading tackler on the team or at least close to it. Um, Christian Harris, his personality and the way he is, I think where he really won me over, because I was I don't want to say I was wavering. I was one of the people I was definitely like, he's probably a starter or close to it for the team this year. And I think that with the right coaching up, you know, he's an Alabama guy. And with D'Amico as the head coach, he is in a great position to just come and take a starting position on this defense and dominate. So, and a lot of people were saying he's like the new Fred Warner. I don't know if I agree with that. I don't know if the comparison is there. He's, he's an, a lot earlier pick. I believe he was a second-round pick. But um, his personality and the way he won me over was in the Steelers game when uh, I can't remember which Steelers receiver it was, like gave him some lip or like complained about a call. And he turned to him and he just kind of went like and like threw his fists up and did a little <laughs> crying motion. And I was like, get him. I, I just – his personality just embodies like – that's like when uh, when Stanek in Dodger Stadium got that bull uh, – freaking uh balk call and he like was just he got the final strikeout and just lighting into everyone just let them all have a piece of his mind he's like i'm going anyways i'm getting out and so i i love that like competitive spirit and seeing athletes get after it and show you know their feelings and like you know show some raw passion and emotion on the field um derek stingley big big topic of discussion um and to compare him to Sauce, Sauce has played eight games this year, zero interceptions. Derek Stingley has played four games this year, one interception. It's a very I, – I don't know about using that stat to say one's better than the other this season, but it's just an interesting observation considering that, you know, Sauce is supposed to be that much better than Derek Stingley. There's other factors to look into on that. I'm not going to try and make the, the, you know, discussion or the argument for Stingley over Sauce. I don't think that's really ever been – the end game, I think Sauce has been a pawn in the Derek Stingley is a bust discussion because he's the closest comparison, very obviously. Um, I, I think that, that Derek has shown up so far this season and done exactly what a lot of Texans fans believed he could do, um, regardless of where they were at on him in terms of being in or out on the bust discussions. Um, personally, I, I don't feel like I need to clarify it, but I was never really one to talk about Derek Stingley as a bust. There's just not a large enough sample size to get into that discussion at this point but and then will anderson getting a sack incredible the defensive line in general did the best they could kyler murray just had a few plays where he scampered out and like that was my big concern with him that was my big concern with lamar jackson but the, the defense held lamar jackson to basically nothing um kyler murray got the better of them on a few plays there was one that was called back by a hold that was like a 50 yard rush and i was just like Ugh. so that was one of those things that concerned me, but the Texans, I think, as a defense, just really locked it up. Number 30, Carter Houston, I believe is how you say it, Houston Carter or something or another, um, stepping up still in the stead of Jimmy Ward. 
I'm, I'm hopeful Jimmy Ward will be back soon, but it's nice to know that it truly is a next man up team. So yeah, defensively, I would say the defense bailed out CJ in a lot of ways and made his mistakes less impactful on the game. Um, and a lot of it also was that CJ's mistakes occurred at times where, um, like, for example, there was that recovered fumble on that punt where then CJ threw a pick, like, shortly thereafter, and it's like, okay, like, I don't know. It would have been nice to get those points, but, like, the impact of that in the grander scheme, it's basically like we punted the ball and then got another possession and then basically gave him back the ball where we punted it to. So I wasn't, like, super con- – that was the thing. That was throughout the game. That was the trend. Um, but I guess looking at the team as a whole, any observations that you have, like, about things like that need to be improved? Like, I feel like the only thing we've observed so far is offensive play calling. Is there other glaring flaws in the team throughout the game? I would think situational football, probably. Uh, there was, there was a fourth down that they went for early in the game. Obviously it didn't matter in the final score. But that was a chip shot field goal, and they just they were like, no, it was fourth and one. We're going to go for it. Called a fullback dive, didn't get it. Um, I don't agree with the play call, but I, you know me. Or what, no. always, fourth and one in enemy territory, go for it every time. It wasn't a fullback dive. I'm sorry. It was a Mike Boone pitch, and uh, it should have been Stingley in my opinion, and he didn't get it. And and they, they gave up points there. And then obviously there was a pick in the end zone. There was a pick on the, on the you 20. You mean Singletary? Sorry, you said Stingley. I'm sorry. You're right. Yes. It should have been Singletary. We were just talking about Stingley. Um, I was going to make a comment on that, but I'll get to that later. Yeah. Uh, So for a team to leave, you know, nine points potentially on the ball off the board, if, if all they did was kick field goals, I think that is something that maybe, you know, against a better team, you take those points instead of like really trying to force the action. Uh, you always want your team to be aggressive, but I think 21 points beats a team like Arizona where your defense is pretty good. 21 points may not be enough against a Chiefs team with Mahomes cooking or a Bills team when they're right. They're not right right now. I mean, they beat the Jets today, but or yesterday, I'm sorry. But um, they look they look discombobulated. The AFC is a really weird conference right now for talent. I mean, there's there's some big teams up there, but none of them scare you. You That's just gotta wait to the rise with CJ Stroud. Is simply put, the the top quarterbacks in the AFC have just not been performing to the level that's expected. So it's kind of given him the stepping stones to get up to the top. But what were you gonna say about Stingley? Um, I was just gonna say that I think it's an unfair comparison to Sauce because Stingley was in a defense that wasn't necessarily a great defense sauce went into the jets that was already a really good defense and all he did all he was asked to do was kind of like hold his own where stingley was asked to play in a different uh style he played more zone than man everybody you know coming out of college he was an absolute man-to-man guy put a guy on an island that sort of thing so i think honestly if you really want to start the comparisons between the two it should be now you should start from this season regardless of the of the injuries and go okay this is where it's fair to compare stingley to sauce and go well with, with to me i would take it with a grain of salt right because now the shoe's on the other foot it, more so than it was last season right like sauce had his fair share of poor quarterback play last season but that continues for him 
So Sauce has been put in a lot of positions based on the, the ineptitude of the uh, Jets offense where he's had to play a lot more defense. And both you and I know that even an elite defense when asked to be on the field for like more than half of the game, it, it's a bend, not break, but eventually it's going to break. So, you know, to, to hold that against him is is to me not fair in the comparison. Granted, you know, it is pro football. He has to be ready to play whenever. But the it, Stingley now has a far better situation than Sauce in terms of offensive output, even with today's game. This Today's game was lightweight that compared to what Sauce is getting day in and day out playing defense against teams because of the way that Zach Wilson plays football. So, yeah, I, I feel like that's an important note. And and I guess that just in general, I mean, like making a comparison between any two players, like their situations can it, there's there's no cut and dry comparison between two players, whether it's era they played in or team they played for. Like some players have more help than others. That's just how it goes. So I think it's important to note that in any comparison. But with that, um, yeah, any final thoughts on the Texans Cardinals game? I'm glad they got the win. I was worried that it was a trap game. I was worried that Kyler would come in with a hot hand. And while he did have moments that where he flashed, uh, rushed for a touchdown, that sort of thing, I still believe, by and large, they held him in check. He wasn't, you know, such a factor that they couldn't overcome him. And um, now it sets up, the, you know, the heavyweight title fight that we wanted with the Jags in our building with a chance to claim first place. Yeah, no, I agree with you that. that and you know, looking at Kyler Murray and who he was supposed to be, we've had that discussion this past week about, you know, if they stick with him or try and move on because that's been a common topic this past offseason. That's a, a spot where he's a good quarterback and he's not worth moving on from, in my opinion, unless you just have the absolute best prospect ever, which I don't believe, based on recent events, Caleb Williams might be. He's still a really good prospect, but I don't know. that It's been coming that, – that, best prospect ever has come into question in my opinion uh but a quarterback that's being paid that much right there you'd expect to overcome the texans or to take advantage of the texans mistakes and come out with a win there and that didn't happen so i agree with you there um i mean i don't really have anything else to say about the game i'm excited about the win too as much as some people this is one of those wins where you know i, I come out on twitter and everyone thinks i'm not happy about the texans win i am i'm ecstatic that the texans came out with a win that they're six and four that we're looking for some playoff football in Houston, I think, as division champions, is in, not outside of the realm of possibility, and that is a great day in my eyes. Um, it's been real. It's been fun. Let's bring the podcast to a close. I am James Roy. You can find me at M1TexansFan on all social media platforms, and the podcast is under that at as well on the YouTube channel. I'd like to thank everyone. I did a ticket giveaway um, for this game. I got over 500 subscribers on youtube so that's pretty nice welcome to those of you who just showed up i appreciate you um <clears throat> i'd also like to say um those ticket giveaways there's one more this season it's going to be more story based all the other ones have been random selection um stay tuned for more details on that i'm gonna try and get my wife involved in that probably uh to get like an independent bystander who is emotionally driven in terms of picking who should do what um it seems to make sense in my eyes um Additionally, I'll be at the Texans-Jaguars game, um, and if you're listening to the podcast this deep, you deserve to know this information. I'll be sitting in section 116, and the first 10 people to find me will get one of these here uh, Safe and Stroud stickers. So if you like that sticker or don't or really want it, you know you should probably 
stop by section 116 and find me. So, yeah. Um, Tom is at Third Coast Tom, and Tom and I are both on the PSF app. We we covered the game live this week. We have got two more coming up. Granted, the next week I will be at the game, probably pop in at halftime to say a few words, but I will be there in person. That was unplanned, so I apologize to Tom for, for my absence from the show, but he's got Susie and, and all these other people. The chat was live on the PSF app this week. It was, it was really fun. Highly recommend downloading the app, joining the Texans chat, and getting in on the action. PSF is the way of the future of watching pro sports with other fans from the comfort of your own home. So if you're not doing it, you should definitely be on the app right now. Um, thanks for listening. Uh, we appreciate everyone who supports what we're doing here on the bullpen. Uh, if you like what you heard or saw, depending on how you're receiving this, um, like, comment, subscribe, whatever it is you do on you know YouTube, Spotify, Apple, what, however you're, you're consuming this. We would love your support in that way. Maybe drop a comment with some feedback or a question about what we talked about. Love seeing those. We got uh, quite a few positive comments um, and just feedback throughout the week this past week. And it's and honestly, love reading them. Love giving you a nice reply uh, and hearing back from you know Texans fans at talking Texans. That's what we started this to do. So it's incredible. Tom, uh, it's been real. It's been fun. Exciting. Till next time. Vamos, Texans. Yeah.